But there are a couple of things that I want to, uh, to bring out. We're right in the middle of Mary Hill Davis offering for state missions. Most of you probably know all the things that uh, the ministries that are, that are a part of our state missions, but two of them that, that have come to my mind in the last year or two is, is called Bounce. Uh, it's, a, it's a ministry for uh, college kids and high schoolers of 16 and over. And the reason, reason that's come to my mind is because they work with the Texas Baptist Men Disaster Relief a lot. Uh, Texas Baptist Men Disaster Relief has, has helped everywhere you hear a disaster, we got Texas Baptist Men Disaster Relief there. But now that has expanded. So used to we went in, we cleaned up places, we, if there was a flood, we would spray some stuff on there to keep the the uh, mold and mildew from coming would strip out the, the house. There's all kinds of things. If there was a tornado, we would go pick up the house and put it in a, a dumpster and, and try to help the people. And then uh, a fire, same thing, we would ash it out. But now we've got crews that go back and, and help rebuild. And so we're, we're expanding. They're, they're, they are expanding all kinds of ministries there. And this is the youth part of that. So you've got college kids that are willing to go back and and help with any of that, with the disaster relief or to rebuild or whatever, or maybe canvas the area and, and, uh, and keep the kids. We have laundries, we have feeding units, we have, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that, that, that your Texas Baptist men do. But Bounce is a part of that, and they're funded through the Mary Hill Davis offering every year. And so that's just one of the ministries. There's a list of those here. I'm not going to go through all of those, but you need to know that every dollar that we give to, to missions goes to help people in Texas and on the border and so on and so forth. And um, we've been a part of, I think, every year about 2,000 kids down on the border. Um, the, the pastors take uh, school supplies to these kids and, uh, and help them because in Mexico, you don't have school supplies, you don't have school. And, and they don't really worry about it. The, the government really doesn't worry about it if you don't have it. And so these pastors are able to go to those kids and they know them individually and, and take those, those uh, packets to them so that young person can go to school. So really great opportunities. All of that is funded through um, the, the Mary Hill Davis offering. Another thing I wanted to remind you of today <coughs> is that this is 9-11. Um, lest we forget the attack on our country, lest we forget those lives, lest we forget who our God is. From a military standpoint, we need to realize that our borders have never been safe and are never going to be safe. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of border. The only thing that keeps this nation safe is our God. He keeps us protected. We need to acknowledge it. We need to realize that it's God and God alone who, who does that for our nation. Um, as strong a military as we got, and we do, they're not the ones who protect this nation, never have been. It's always been God. And so it's in his hand. I was looking this week through a bunch of pictures that, that I had on an old computer, and I came across a picture of a guy standing uh, on, the, on the World Trade Center. He was getting his, his picture taken, and in that picture behind it, you see the plane coming to the, to the tower. And man, it brought back a lot of memories. Some of us can remember exactly what we were doing where we were at that day that, that the United States was attacked. And so we need to, it, it reminds me always to pray for our country. Whether you agree or disagree with the politics, whether you agree or disagree with the president or whoever's in power, he's still our president, by the way. 
and, uh, and we need to pray for them. We need God to intervene in our country desperately, just like every country in the world. We need God to intervene and, and to, to guide us and direct us. So I want to just take a moment and, and pray for that, to thank God for our country and, and pray for that in, in this time. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for who you are. Not only our God and our King that loves us individually, but God, you have put our country in place. It says that the governments are on your shoulders. That God, you, you have put everything in place. And we live in the most fantastic, affluent country in the world. And God, you've placed us here. We could be anywhere, any, any place right now. But Father, you've put us here. And so God, we need to, to think about how much you've given us and how much you've done for our country and for us. And Father, we need to give praise and thanks for that. Then, God, we ask for your protection. God, for your guidance and your direction in all of our governmental system, the greatest governmental system ever devised. And God, you put it there. And so, Father, we just ask that, that you would guide and direct and speak to the hearts of those that are, that are our representatives. And God, help them be representatives of us. Father, I pray for our president, our vice president, and Father, whether I agree or disagree with um, some stances, God, they're still there. And I believe with all of my heart you have put them there, Father. And so because of that, I come before you thanking you for them. And God, praying for them that you would guide and direct. And God, I just pray for all those that are in Congress and our Senate, Father. We've got so many races coming up, so many candidates, so many um, political things coming up in these next month or two. And God, I would pray for direction for each one of us. We have the right because you've given us that right in this country to make our voice known. And so, Father, I thank you for that. And I pray that you would help us to be wise. We give you praise for all things today, Father. Thank you for this moment. God, thank you for your word. May it be powerful and effectual in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would take your Bibles today and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. We looked at 1 Corinthians 13 for the last couple of weeks. We're going to back up a little bit and look at 1 Corinthians 12. We've been looking at an overall picture of how God loves us and our response to that love. What, what should we do to show our love to God? And so we've been looking through that and thinking on those things. And so we come to this 12th chapter. Again, we go to this church at Corinth, probably the most gifted church ever. Maybe they had every gift that was listed in this list. But they had come to think that a couple of gifts were more important than everything else, especially speaking in tongues. They really thought that was the greatest thing. Boy, if you could speak in tongues. And, and so I want to address a little bit of that today. That all the gifts... Every gift that God has given is equal. God has not put one above the other. So let's talk about this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now you, if you look at Greek, its sentences aren't exactly like ours. And you, so you could say, I don't want you ignorant, brothers. But we're not going to go there. We'll keep it the way it is. It's probably better English anyway. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant you know that you were, when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. And, and I want to stop there for a moment and think about our country. 
I started thinking this week. We, we've had in, in the study in Genesis, in my opinion, you learn everything there is about God that you need to know in the book of Genesis. And so it's foundational to everything else. Last week we came across the word reckoning and wow, that was a big piece of meat for us to eat on. I mean, I've been chewing on it all week is that word reckoning in the ninth chapter of the book of, of Genesis. And, and so as I've been looking through that, it came to my mind about idols. You know, I thought, well, I don't really have any of those. I feel like I've just laid everything out before God. And then I started thinking about my idols. My idols today might be because what has become what I think I need is really what I want. All my wants now have changed over into that need category. If you look through the Bible and, and realize that God has promised us, promised us over and over and over again, supply our needs, shelter, and food, clothes. Those are needs. Everything above that is want. We've in this country learned how to want really well. And all of our wants have become now needs. I, I, I live in... Slayton, and I don't know if you guys have been to Lubbock in, in recent history, but man, it is, it, it's exploding. And I thought about how many, the church that we were going to over there that I was a maintenance guy at, um, pretty affluent area, pretty affluent neighborhood, pretty affluent folks. And I was visiting with a, with a young couple, and he had a job that had money coming in that I, I don't even know how, how you get a job like that. But they, all, they had this, this house that they had built over in the um, southwest corner of Lubbock. His daughter was playing college ball, got a scholarship to Purdue. So they built her a gym, a complete gym, by the way, in there, wood floor gym. And, and so I was talking to them and they're really nice people, love the Lord. But I said, man, that is somehow, they got a big old line sitting out in the front of the, the on their lawn. You know, it's just, I mean, it's a house, boy. And I said uh, to them, man, I said, how, how do y'all get afford a place like that? I mean, I just can't even imagine that. And he said, we don't. And it, it struck me that that house cost upwards of $2 million. The monthly payment on it was eight, nine thousand dollars a month. And I'm thinking, wow. They were struggling. I mean, here's some people that make more money than I've ever thought about, and they were struggling because they needed this big house. It was only four of them in about a eight, ten thousand square foot house with a gym. Did I mention I had a gym? Really nice gym. But I thought about that. I thought about it, and he said this, his, his words to me, well, this is what my family needed. Wow. We have switched those two out a lot. So that's become an idol to us. You know, when, we, when you get into that type of situation, and I'm not, I'm not dogging going into debt. I'm not any of those things. But when you get into those situations, it starts pulling you away from God. When you're Wants become your needs, and suddenly God is not providing what you need. God never promised you a million-dollar home. 
God never promised you. He promised you food and clothing and shelter. Wow. And he's provided. I can, I can attest. He's provided for all of my needs all of these years. You can tell I've never gone hungry as of yet. Don't plan on going hungry because God's going to provide all that I need. Some of you kind of get, get confused about Sheila and I over here at the parsonage. Y'all ask us these questions. Well, what do you want? I don't need anything. I would like to have a roof over my head, but right now, you know, David, he's going to put a pallet in that bad boy right now, and it's, we're on. Put up some sheets over them studs, and we're good to go. And Sheila's the same way. If that's what God has given us, then that's what God, it's shelter. It's where we're at. Now, I think we, I, I appreciate all the work that's going into that. Don't get me wrong in that. Man, it is, it's going to be beautiful when it gets done. But God, in this passage of scripture, talks to these guys about how they were influenced and pushed by these mute idols. And it's so easy for us to let that happen. So easy. Worship a, a, a movie star or a, or a football player. Wow, they're just a football player. Yeah, they made a lot of money, but they're just a football player. If you switch that out for the God of the universe, man, you're selling yourself short. Short. So let's go on. I don't want to get bogged down there too much. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one speaking in the spirit. Well, how do you know if someone's in the spirit? Let me, let me ask you a question. Y'all ever been to a church that nobody walked in, you sat down and nobody said anything to you? You ever been to a church that you came out and you went, boy, that was cold. I've, I've heard that a bunch of times, Joel. That's a cold church. You ever been around a group of folks that were, were fine Christian folks? All of a sudden, you kind of got this weird feeling. You realize y'all weren't on the same page at all. Those guys are not in the spirit at that moment. When you talk about a, a cold church or a church that, that no one's friendly, they have moved away from that. The Bible says that they have quenched the Holy Spirit. Because where the Holy Spirit is, there's love. In fact, if you go to the book of Galatians, and this is a hard place to be. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That means where the presence of the Holy Spirit is, there's those attributes going on. If the presence of the Holy Spirit's in your life, that ought to be what's coming out of it. And if it's not, then you might want to ask the question, Am I in the Spirit? That doesn't mean you're not saved, by the way. It doesn't mean that you're, that you're not one of God's. It means that you have gotten away from the direction you're going. I, I think about this. Of course, you all know I'm from the country, too. And, and, and I think about it like this. You're traveling down the road, and I've done this lots of times. The Holy Spirit says, David, I want you to go here. And I want you to do this. And I go, I don't got time. Lord, I, have you seen my schedule, Lord? I mean, you know, have you seen my schedule today? And the minute I do that, the Holy Spirit goes, well, that's all right. 
You just go ahead and knock yourself out and go that way. When you get tired of that, come on back. I'll still be here. We quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because when God says, go somewhere and do something, and, and when the Spirit of God moves in our lives, we don't have a choice, by the way, if we've called Him our King and our Lord. You do it, and you do it now. Immediately, you respond. That's how you stay in the Spirit. It is so easy for us as a church and for churches as a whole, and I hear this all the time from, from churches and pastors. I got the privilege of being um, involved and responsible for about 236 churches from Lubbock to Amarillo, smaller membership churches, and I would go in these churches, and you could just feel the tension. The love was gone. You could feel the hardship. You could feel the anger. You could feel all of those things. And I started realizing how often we quench the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives in our churches. Oh, they were still having church. They could, they could come on Sunday morning and read the Bible and preacher get up and the singer get up and they do their thing and they walk out the door. You've been in those churches where as soon as the, the, the bell rings, they're gone. Hmm. They don't even like one another, much less love. And I'm going to tell you, it's easy to get there. It's easy to get there. We need to realize that when someone is in the Spirit of God, we can feel it. We can know it. Deep within our hearts because we're in the Spirit of God. I've been around people too where every time I see them, my spirit leaps. I can't wait to see them again. Those folks are what it's talking about here, that, that nobody who's speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Every single person that calls themselves a Christian needs to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Period. Not by, by preachers, not by um, denominations, but by the Spirit of God. One of my best friends is Church of Christ. Now that just seems like impossible. And now, after all these years, I mean, we prayed for him for about, I prayed for him for probably 15, 16 years. Sheila has argued more about the Bible with him than any person I ever know. And one day driving down the road, a Church of Christ pastor had given him the um, cassettes with the Bible on it. And all of a sudden he realized it was real and gave his heart and life to, to Christ driving down the road. Now he is so told. In fact, now he's pastoring the church, Birdwell Lane Church of Christ in, in uh, Big Spring. And I love to be around him. I love to be around him. It's not just because he's a friend, but because he is a godly man. My spirit jumps when I'm around him. Wow. We need to be conscious of those things. If we go into that church that, that's, that's cold, we need to affect it. We need to bring Jesus into that. We need to bring Jesus in there. Holy Spirit needs to be welcomed. So let's go on. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties would be a good word here. Varieties of gifts. 
And we'll go through some of those in a minute. By the way, this list is never complete because the Holy Spirit knows how to reach every single person in the world at this point. We, I feel like as Baptists, have done a really good job sometimes, and I'm not knocking all the programs we've ever had, but we, we're really good about coming up with programs, and if it works in Florida, then we spread it to the whole Southern Baptist Convention and go, okay, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, let's do this. Well, the Holy Spirit might have a different way to reach people in Peacock, Texas. We need to be sensitive to that. So there are varieties of gifts, and all those gifts are vitally important to the church. They are vitally important to us. Every single gift, even all important. Varieties of gift, one spirit. Then it says, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. You know, the word used there is, is diakonon. We get our word deacon from that. It, it literally means through the dirt. You want to you wanna, you wanna serve so bad, you can run through the dirt to get there. We get our word deacon from that, a service, a servant, servant. But the Lord, there's just one Lord. Here's why I'm bringing out such, a, such a, an important thing. These guys, these guys wanted one gift. They thought speaking in tongues was the greatest gift that's ever been. So here we go. Everybody's trying to speak in tongues. Everybody's trying to do this one thing. I'm sure they did a lot of practice. I went to a church one time, and man, the preaching was solid. It was fantastic. We went there because it was a Holy Spirit revival, and I thought, well, that sounds like something I might want to look at. It was all great until the second or third night, and I cheated. They were praying, and I was looking. You know, I didn't close my eyes, and I just didn't do it. And I looked up, and the preacher got down and went to a guy on the front row and spoke to him a minute, and then he got up and said, Brother so-and-so is going to come speak in tongues. All of a sudden, now I'm not so happy because it's not the way it's done. And, and whether you agree with it just being another language or whether you agree with it's a different tongue doesn't really matter. It is God produced and it's God making something happen. I believe that every single missionary we've ever sent on the field is able to speak in tongues. Because German came easy for me. Man, it's just like I could handle German with no problem. I have tried to learn Spanish for years and years and years, and it will not stick. I don't know. I mean, I know a few words, but I can't carry on a conversation. It's just amazing. God did not allow that to happen. So it's important to realize that that all of these varieties of gifts, every one of them is important and special. Maybe you're given the gift of being able to speak in another language. Man, what a wonderful thing to be able to share the gospel. But maybe you've been given a gift of service. You're just as important. Just as important to serve someone. To help them along. So, the third thing here. In verse 6, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. The word used here is energizing. Sometimes in the churches, 
I think we energize ourselves. I've been part of church, and man, I, you know, you, you get things cranking along, and, and as a pastor, you, you're moving towards this, this goal, and you've got all these things in mind, and boy, you're pushing, you're pushing, pushing, and, and going here and getting things done. And then all of a sudden, there's a lull. And boy, if you're not careful as a pastor, you'll go, hey, I got to fill this void with something. We got to get busy. I got to get these people moving again so we can, we can have something going on. I think it's, you know, more people in here. Wow. And so you leave kind of God behind, by the way. He's the energizing of your church. And if God is not energizing the work, you don't need to do it. Greatest church that I've ever pastored, we just kind of had a little rule that we went into a business meeting and everybody wasn't in agreement. We didn't do it. We just didn't do it. I don't know how, didn't matter how important it was. If one person said, nope, I don't think it's right. Holy Spirit has not given me that. Wow. We might just table it for a week or two. It's important that we're all together. It's important to realize that God is working in every single life and he is energizing the work. He is working, we say it this way, he's working in us and out of us. As we leave this place, I, I hope, I hope that every person leaves this place. I do every single week. Man, this is the greatest church I've ever pastored in my life. And I mean that. With every ounce of my being, I mean that. And I tell everybody that, that I come in contact with that. But it's not just about Peacock Baptist Church. I need to be energized about telling them who my God is. He is the one who energizes and moves me and gifts me and lets me go into the world to win others to him. Wow. What a great privilege. So let's look at some of these. So now to each one, the manifestation, by the way, it's the only time that word's used in the New Testament, of the Spirit is given for the common good. The word used here is symphoron. We get our word symphony from it. I've been a few, part of a few churches that we were like a symphony. Everything was going on the same. It don't last that long, by the way. Most time, Satan, Satan don't like that at all. When, when the church is in symphony with each other, everything is going the way it's supposed to be and orchestrating the way it's supposed to go. Usually Satan likes to throw a wrench in that pretty quick. We've got to be careful for that. But that's what the word means. It's given for the common good so that we're in symphony with each other. To one there is given to the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miracle, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the spirits or discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Over in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6, it lists these. Service, a teacher, exhortation. It's interesting, that word exhortation, the word is parakaleo, one who walks beside, not just gives a good word, rah, rah, but walks beside you. I like it. Contribution, leader with zeal, mercy, the Spirit gives all as He wills and as you need. Now, I found something else about this over these years. 
Sometimes God will give you what you need at that moment. By the way, it's a gift. If y'all, y'all, did y'all catch that word? It's a, it's a gift. It means it's given freely, openly from the Holy Spirit of God. For a purpose, for the common good, for reaching people. It's awesome. Sometimes he gives that just once. I, I, can, I can tell you three instances. One, one a, a friend of mine that uh, one night he was in jail ministry and, and, and this guy had just gotten out of prison. He was in a bad way. I mean, he was about to die. And this friend of mine who was ultra conservative back, ultra, God said to him in the middle of the night, get up and go lay hands on this man. So he did. He got up in the middle of the night, was obedient, went and laid hands on this guy and he was healed just right there. Now, there's two things you can do with that. You can go, well, I've got the gift of healing now. I'm going to lay hands on everybody. Might even get a line up here going, see how much money I make. Or you can realize that that is a gift from God. And as far as I know, he never laid hands on anybody else. But that night, that guy got healed and got saved. Changed his life. Changed his life that night. Because it was God energizing him. In my own heart, one, one guy called and said, hey, can you grab the deacons and deacons and come over to the house and pray over me? I, I don't, the doctor says I'm not going to, I've got a bad deal going on. I'm not going to live. So we all get in our little cars. We go over there and lay hands on him, pray over him, anointed him with oil, just everything the Bible says. I mean, this was a guy that we loved. We laid hands on him. Went back the next day, he gives me a call, and he said, I'm healed. And my first thought was, really? Yeah, surely not. I said, well, how did, what happened? He said, well, you came over and laid hands on me. Just what the Bible said. Wow. My faith was about this big. God can and does do those things. Still. Don't ever deny or forget that our God is still God. Whatever gift that God has given you, whether it's one of these that we just think, wow, I think about the healing all the time. There's, there's a few doctors. One, one doctor that we had, he said, well, I've seen a lot of patients, but I don't think I've ever healed anybody. God healed. And there's truth to that. But sometimes it's miraculous what that guy can do. It's amazing what God has gifted him to be able to do. And you see that and you realize that that, that has to come from God and God alone. Wow. We need to acknowledge that in our hearts and lives. Every single person in this room, God has gifted He's gifted. And he's put you in Peacock Baptist Church to use that gift for the common good, for his glory, for his honor and his praise. I believe, and this is against some Baptist belief, I believe God can give you that gift and then go, okay, that's, that's a one-time thing and take that back from me. And there's other gifts that he gives you that's there. It's there.
It's all for the symphony of the church. I got to go not too many years ago to the Lubbock Symphony. Now, I'm, I'm not the most cultured person. I can hear the laugh of Sheila so far. But that was absolutely amazing and beautiful. Every single instrument hit every single note perfectly. And it was beautiful. And I thought about that as a church, how we need to be like that. Everybody doing their part. Everybody realizing that God has gifted me and then using the gift that God has given them. And for us all to rejoice over everybody's gift. Some gifts sometimes we think are more important than other gifts, but God doesn't see it that way. As we go through this study in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting next couple of weeks or so, I want you to think about what God has given you. The gifts that God has given you. Are you using them for His glory? Are you using them in the church to bring symphony? I've not been many times in a church when it does, by the way. Most time one section or the other section is way out of tune and you're like, wow. You think you're at a junior high band concert. But there are times, and I've got to experience that a few times in my life, when the church is in harmony with itself. Everybody's using their gift. Everybody's involved. God has never got you, as long as you're breathing, just to sit on the pew. He wants you to take that gift that he has given you and use it for his glory the good of the church. Wow, what a privilege that is. What an opportunity God has given us to do that. So I'm going to say to you before we leave today, would you think about Allowing God to use you in his service today. As we leave this place, we were talking this morning about those of, of poor and lesser, you know, the, don't, don't be, don't be um, showing favoritism. I can tell you a story about David Diggs. I was going to Hardin Sounds before I repented from that university and went to his presence university. Yes, Joel, to Howard Payne. Godly place. <laughs> but every day, I was, I'd just come out of the army, and I don't, I'm just going to tell you where my heart was. I just waited every day. I, I, if there was a hitchhiker, I was going to pick him up because I was just waiting for that guy to go, come unglued in my car because we're going to have a good time now. I just kept waiting for that opportunity. One day I'm going down there, and no, that was not a godly thought or response or anything else, but I'm going down the road, there's a hitchhiker, and I thought, if anybody needs Jesus, that dude does right there, boy. I had old, I had a old uh, army uniform on and old greens and duffel bag on his back, and I thought, boy, that guy needs Jesus. I pulled up there, and I got him in the car, and I took off, and I thought, I got him trapped. 
And before I got a tenth of a mile, he said to me, you may kick me out of this car, but I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I was like, wow. It was a humbling time for me. But that guy, he said, I was in the military, stuff happened, I've been homeless, and all of a sudden God got a hold of me. And he said, I realized that I could go to these, to, to these skid rows all over the United States and share Jesus. That's what he did. I mean, he was on his way to Dallas. He said, if you go in there with your nice clothes, they will kill you dead. But I can go in there, they know me. I'm one of them, and I'm proud for that. But I can go, I'm going to go do, have a revival in the skid row of Dallas. Wow. God was using him. Just like he wants to use us today. As we go, therefore, share the good news of Jesus. As we go, therefore, look for those opportunities. As we go, therefore, use those gifts that God has given us to share with the world and each other. I hope today you'll realize how important you are in the kingdom work and in Peacock Baptist Church. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you gifted each one of us. And God, we give you praise for that. God, it humbles me to realize that as I look out over these faces, that you've given them to me to shepherd to move the direction you want to go. It humbles me as I see every face in this room that as I pray for them every single day, God, you want to use all of us for your kingdom work. What a privilege Stonewall County has got. That we might be able to share the good news of who you are with everyone. Thank you, Father, for that privilege. I pray for each person here this morning that, God, they would seek their deepest part of their heart and ask the question, am I using my gifts for the common good? Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask you just to stay with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a few moments. As Brent comes, Jackie going to lead us in a hymn of invitation in a few moments. I don't know what God's doing in your heart right now. I, I a long time ago quit trying to guess. But this morning I know this. He wants to be in, you to be in right relationship with Him. Are you there? Maybe right where you're at, you just need to go before the Lord this morning. Maybe you need to come up to this altar. Maybe you need to talk to me. You don't understand. I'd love to walk with you. Whatever that decision is, I ask you to make it this morning as we stand together and as we sing this hymn of invitation.